Banking institutions have made strides to invest in technology that addresses online fraud, but low-tech schemes such as check fraud still account for big financial losses. Why? Because banking institutions have failed to make similar investments to thwart these age-old types of threats. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm here today with Nancy Guglielmo, Vice President of the Fraud Reduction Program for BITS who reviews preliminary results from our recent Faces of Fraud survey and offers insights about where banking institutions appear to be making improvements and where they continue to lag. Nancy, I've noted check fraud, a point that I want to come back to, but before we talk about check fraud, I want to ask you, what did you find most surprising about the fraud trends that were revealed in the results that we provided to you? Well, I think the first thing to note is the makeup of the respondents. Um, as you know, this membership is mostly made up of the largest U.S. financial institutions. And it appears to me that most of the responders to the survey are the medium and smaller institutions. So you kind of have to take that, that information uh, when you're looking at the results. Um, that being said, however, it's interesting to note that the types of fraud experienced you know, with the smaller institutions and the big institutions that we represent is the same. It's also interesting to note that despite the new products and technologies that are emerging in the payment space, such as mobile and, and things like that, we are still experiencing good old-fashioned check and card fraud. And I think those were the things that I noticed the most. Another trend that caught my attention, and I suspect it probably caught your attention too, related to insider fraud. It continually ranks among the top loss areas. Nancy, I'd like for you to talk about why this is. Are banking institutions just investing in the wrong types of technologies and practices? I think that insider fraud is sometimes very difficult to uh, identify within an institution. In the recent search study on uh, insider threat, there were many instances when the perpetrator was a long-standing employee that quietly discovered a way to take advantage of their system. Um, you know, it's not a sudden action or sudden anomaly that they can pick up on. It also appears to your study that the number of incidents really hasn't changed much, but it, I think it's always disturbing to an institution when this kind of incident occurs. It may just be the case that some of the smaller banks, they don't really experience a large enough risk in this area to justify the costly, complex systems that would need be needed to help prevent this type of fraud. Now, ACH and wire fraud also continue to grow, according to the survey results that we collected, as do phishing attacks. Nancy, have banking institutions made investments in the wrong technologies there? Again, I think it has to do with the size of the institution. Many times, uh, ACH and wire fraud is accomplished via some sort of account takeover, either through you know a successful phishing attack, which lands malware on the customer system, or by the fraudster gathering enough information just from the public data that's available to gain access to the account. Of course, the common link here is the consumer. There's just so much that the banks can do to protect the consumer from clicking on that stupid link or posting just too much information about themselves. You know, there's a lot of new technologies out there to help eliminate or identify customer systems that have been infected, but, you know, the implementation of this, again, takes time and resources that may or may not be available to some of the smaller or medium-sized banks. Now, you make a good point here, Nancy, about customer education. Do you think that institutions are really living up to what the potential for these types of educational campaigns could be? As I mentioned, you know, the weak link is the human in the equation. You know, I think technology is, is starting to catch up, and, and I know there's some new technology available that can pinpoint malware on customers' 
PCs and phones and, and other mobile devices, but we still need to keep up with that education. And I, I think that the institutions themselves are doing the best that they can, but no matter what you do, some people will ignore those threats and resist the warnings and any of the guidance provided. They just don't seem to want to make those kinds of changes. So I think there's some room for improvement in getting the education out there, but um, it's a difficult thing to do. Nancy, would you say that banking institutions perhaps are not implementing or approaching customer education or even internal education from the right perspective? Well, I think some of them are, um, but there's so many different ways to approach education. And I, no matter what you do, some of the people are just going to tune it out. It does take a lot of time and effort to keep the information fresh, uh, find new ways to get it in front of the customer and in front of the, the employees. You know, it's a difficult battle to kind of work through this. But, you know, I think they just need to keep changing it up, and maybe there's just not enough resources to do that all the time. Now, Nancy, I'm going to go back to check fraud because it does continue to rank among the top threats that lead to the greatest losses. Why does check fraud continue to prevail? Well, besides the large baby boomer population that grew up in a world where everyday transactions were cash or check, which includes myself, I might add, there's still an awful lot of small business transactions that occur via check. Um, checks are not going anywhere for a while. And, you know, as long as this payment channel exists, the fraudsters will try to exploit it. There's always new avenues for the fraud to occur, such as the mobile space and online space, but the old ones never go away until that mode of payment's going to go away. So, I mean, we still have cash, we still have bank robbers, and uh, we still have check fraud. Now, card fraud, as you mentioned earlier, also continues to grow, and the uptick in retail and processor breaches that the payments industry has witnessed in recent months has only fueled the losses that card issuers face. But what stood out to you, Nancy, about the survey's card fraud results? Although the types and causes of card fraud, they appear to be pretty consistent, the same kinds of things over and over again, but I've heard from many of our members that it's the constant barrage of merchant data breaches that continues to be an issue. Now, we always hear in the media about the big breaches, the massive breaches that affect millions of people, millions of cardholders. But what's more concerning is the number of smaller merchant breaches that affect smaller numbers of cardholders, but they happen frequently and consistently. Um, I noticed the survey that many of the banks are trying to educate their merchant customers to improve the security at the POS. I know also the card associations are constantly trying to improve their detection and alerting services to help identify these incidents earlier. But I think that we just need to keep getting those merchants to line up and, and tighten up their security a little bit, and that would help a lot. And would you say that these upticks in card fraud are perhaps pushing banking institutions to finally get serious about EMV? Institutions are definitely working towards the EMV migration. Um, you know, many of the banks already have portfolios of chip-enabled cards, you know, particularly for their corporate international customers. Uh, but I definitely think having the liability deadlines in place really has brought us to focus a little bit more and also brought all of the interested parties together uh, to work out the many issues that we have in the United States for implementing EMV. And many of the other countries that implemented EMV had smaller numbers of merchants and banks and somewhat of a less complex economic environment than we do in the United States. So implementation is going to be difficult. But yeah, there seems to be quite a bit of a push in the right direction at this point in time. Before we close, are there any final thoughts about the results that you'd like to share? The survey shows that many of the traditional fraud channels do still exist, as we talked about with checks and cards. Um, one of the things that I think is important is that institutions need to make sure that 
along with their investments in new technologies for new products such as mobile space, things like that, they have to match that with similar investments in fraud detection and prevention for those new technologies. Very often, fraud investments really only come after the fact, after the products have been implemented and somebody discovers that there's possibility of fraud on that new product. So I, I'm, I'm always trying to push for getting the fraud impact up front. Nancy, I'd like to thank you again for your time this afternoon. My pleasure. Again, we've just heard from Nancy Guglielmo of BITS. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.